0: You are now tuned into World War II Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, and I'm here to take you on a journey through the whirlwind of historical events that shaped our world and defined generations. Stay tuned every Tuesday and Thursday as we delve into the riveting, inspiring, and sometimes tragic stories from World War II. We'll meet the brave men and women who stood up to tyranny. We'll explore clandestine operations and daring escapes and we will pay tribute to the resilience of the human spirit in times of extreme adversity. Also, be sure to check out our other podcast focusing on World War I, the conflict that set the stage for the global turmoil that followed. Use the link in the description below. In the far reaches of the North Pacific, where the stark beauty of wilderness collides with the fury of the elements, lies a scattering of islands so remote that they seem lost in time. Among them, the island of Attu, a fragment of the world forgotten by many, beckons the attentive eye of history. This is not a land known for the grandeur of its cities or the bounty of its fields. Instead, it is defined by its isolation, by the brutal elegance of its landscapes, and by the spirit of the few who have dared to call it home. Against this backdrop, a drama unfolded during the dark days of World War II when this tiny, seemingly insignificant outpost on the rim of American territory would become a focal point of the Pacific theater. The Battle of Actu, a struggle as fierce and bitter as the winter winds that whip across the Aleutians, is a story that compels us to look closer and understand the enormous human and strategic stakes that rested upon the shoulders of this small island. In 1942, the Imperial Japanese forces, in a surprise maneuver, Invaded and occupied Attu. The United States, still reeling from the infamous attack on Pearl Harbor, was thrust into a desperate fight to reclaim its farthest frontier. The ensuing battle would not only dictate the fate of Attu's native population but also significantly affect the course of the entire Pacific War. The confrontation, fought in some of the most inhospitable conditions on Earth, would test the limits of human endurance redefine heroism, and pose tactical and strategic questions that reverberate through military thought to this day. This is a tale of courage, strategy, and the often harsh realities of war. It is a testament to the human spirit, the valor of soldiers, and the resilience of a community ripped apart by the throes of a global conflict. The echoes of the Battle of Attu continue to resonate, shaping not only the narrative of World War II but also the enduring saga of human tenacity against overwhelming odds. This is not just a story about a battle, but rather a narrative about how an isolated corner of the world became a stage for one of the most compelling episodes of World War II. It is a reminder that even in the farthest reaches of our world, the echoes of human action can reverberate with historical significance. Welcome to the story of the Battle of Attu. Chapter 1 The Road to Act 2 Stretching like a string of beads flung out into the wild North Pacific, the Aleutian Islands stand as a buffer between the Bering Sea and the vast expanse of the Pacific Ocean. Isolated, windswept, and perpetually shrouded in mist, these islands are a testament to the untamed beauty of nature. Yet, hidden within their rugged contours is a tale of human resilience and strategic importance that has echoed throughout history. The native inhabitants of these islands, the Aleut people, have carved out a life in this harsh environment for over 8,000 years. Among these figures, a woman named Anfija Shapsnikov stands out. Born in the late 19th century on the island of Atka, Anphesia's story weaves through the heart of the Aleutians. Despite the remoteness and the difficult living conditions, she held a deep love for her homeland and its people. Amphesia would later become instrumental in preserving and reviving Aleut culture, even amidst the upheaval of war. Her life was a testament to the strength and tenacity inherent in the people of the Aleutians. In the early 20th century, the world's powers began to recognize the Aleutian Islands' strategic significance. Positioned along the Great Circle Route, the shortest flight path between North America and Asia, they were a natural stepping stone across the Pacific. Despite their isolation and harsh weather conditions, nations cast covetous eyes on the islands. And then, there was Attu, the westernmost jewel in the Aleutian crown. A tiny speck on the map, over 1,500 miles from mainland Alaska, the island was home to a small Aleut community who lived largely in harmony with the land and sea. Little did they know that their tranquil island would soon be thrust onto the world stage. As the clouds of World War II began to gather, these distant, weather-beaten islands moved from the periphery to the center of global strategy. The isolated Aleutians, and particularly Attu, with its austere beauty, would become the unlikely stage for a drama that would shape the course of the Pacific War. This is the story of the road to the Battle of Attu, where a small community, a vast empire, and a burgeoning global power would soon clash under the wide and unforgiving Aleutian sky. By the early 20th century, Japan had emerged from centuries of isolation to become a rapidly industrializing power. Inspired by the model of Western imperial powers, Japan's leaders, including figures like Emperor Hirohito and Prime Minister Hideki Tojo, embarked on an ambitious plan of territorial expansion. They envisioned a Greater East Asia co-prosperity sphere where Japan, as the leading power, would free Asia from Western colonial rule. The relentless drive of this expansion was best embodied by Hideki Tojo. As Prime Minister and Minister of War, Tojo was one of the main architects of Japan's aggressive military policy during the 1930s and early 1940s. A stern and unyielding man. Tojo believed in Japan's destiny to be the preeminent power in Asia. His decisions would soon plunge Japan into a conflict of unimaginable scale. Under Tojo's guidance, Japan turned its gaze southward, setting its sights on the resource-rich European colonies in Southeast Asia. However, these ambitious plans encountered an obstacle, the American naval presence in the Pacific. Pearl Harbor in Hawaii was a potent symbol of that presence, a thorn in the side of Japan's expansionist dreams. The attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, brought America into the war and put the Japanese Empire on a collision course with the United States. But Japan's leaders had another, less known plan in the works. While the world's attention was fixed on the South Pacific, they also turned their eyes northward towards the distant and isolated Aleutian Islands. Among these islands, the small and seemingly inconsequential Atu started to take on an outsized strategic importance. The expansion of the Japanese Empire, fueled by ambitious leaders and a vision of a new Asian order under Japanese dominance, was about to transform the quiet and remote islands of the Aleutians into a battleground. As troops gathered, and war plans were drawn, the fate of Attu hung in the balance. The echoes of these decisions would reverberate all the way to this far-flung corner of the Pacific, ultimately shaping the course of the Battle of Attu and, in many ways, the direction of the Pacific War. The tranquil morning of December 7, 1941, at Pearl Harbor was shattered by the thunderous roar of bombs and gunfire. Japan's surprise attack plunged the United States into World War II, fundamentally shifting the course of history. On this fateful day, the American Pacific Fleet, thought to be a formidable force, lay bruised and battered, while the nation grappled with shock and anger. The architect behind the Pearl Harbor attack was Isoroku Yamamoto, the commander-in-chief of the Imperial Japanese Navy. Yamamoto was a seasoned naval officer with a keen understanding of America's industrial might, Despite his reservations about war with the U.S., he was committed to his duty. His objective, to deal a crippling blow to the Pacific Fleet, hindering America's ability to intervene in Japan's southern expansion. Back on American soil, as the smoke cleared, the gravity of the situation dawned on the nation. President Franklin D. Roosevelt, a veteran leader with the weight of the world on his shoulders, rose to the occasion. His historic infamy speech galvanized the American people, transforming their shock into resolve. Roosevelt and his military advisors, including General George Marshall, quickly set about crafting a response. The aftermath of Pearl Harbor was a time of introspection and planning for America. The U.S. military machine sprang to life, mobilizing its resources on an unprecedented scale. Eyes turned towards the Pacific where the expansive Japanese Empire had extended its reach. Strategies were deliberated, plans drawn, and amidst these machinations, the Aleutian Islands became a surprising point of focus. While the islands may have seemed an unlikely priority given the broader conflict, they held distinct strategic importance. Not only did they flank the northern Pacific shipping lanes, but their capture could potentially divert American forces, Diluting their response to Japan's activities in the South Pacific. Hence, Attu, a tiny piece in the vast chessboard of World War II, entered America's strategic calculations. Pearl Harbor's aftermath set in motion events that would lead to the Battle of Attu. The Aleutian Islands, once considered distant outposts, were about to find themselves at the heart of a battle that would test the courage and resolve of those who fought upon their rugged terrain. This marked a significant chapter in the journey towards the Battle of Attu, a journey marked by determination, strategy, and a will to triumph against the odds. Chapter 2 The Invasion and Occupation of Attu As the dawn broke on June 7, 1942, the skies over the Aleutian Islands buzzed with the sound of Japanese aircraft. The mission, Operation AL, a strategic plan conceived by the Imperial Japanese Navy aimed at diverting American forces and creating a protective shield for their northern flank. As bombs fell, the peace of the isolated islands was forever shattered, marking the start of Japan's invasion of American soil. The man entrusted with this audacious plan was Vice Admiral Boshiro Hosogaya, a highly regarded naval officer known for his meticulous planning. As the head of the Japanese Northern Area Fleet, he was tasked with securing the illusions for Japan. Leading the operation with steely determination, Hosogaya orchestrated the invasion of the islands of Attu and Kiska. The small population of Attu, primarily made up of Aleut natives and a handful of American servicemen manning the tiny weather station, were caught off guard. Chief Petty Officer William House, the officer in charge of the Attu weather station, was one of the 45 inhabitants of Attu who found themselves on the front line of a global conflict. Suddenly, the lives of these simple islanders were thrust into chaos. While Japan's main intent was to divert American attention and resources, Operation AL also held potential benefits for them. With Attu and Kiska under their control, they could launch future assaults on mainland Alaska, potentially causing further disruption in the Pacific theater. The mission was as daring as it was risky, but Japan's war strategists believed in its value. As American warships rushed to respond, they found the enemy well entrenched. The tiny islands of Attu and Kisco were now under the Japanese flag, and the local population had been taken prisoner. A sense of foreboding settled over the American forces as they realized the enormity of the task before them. They would need to reclaim American soil from a well-prepared enemy, fighting in unfamiliar and challenging terrain. Operation AL set the stage for what was to come a grueling battle in a remote corner of the world. In this rugged and harsh environment, American and Japanese forces would clash in a battle that was about more than just territorial gain. The Battle of Attu would become a testament to human endurance, strategic ingenuity, and the brutal realities of war. The echoes of Operation AL would resonate far and wide, influencing the course of the Pacific War. Once a peaceful outpost of the Aleutian archipelago, Attu was now under the shadow of foreign flags, its silence shattered by the boots of Japanese soldiers marching through its snow-covered landscapes. Life as the Atuans knew it had been abruptly interrupted, replaced by the grim reality of war and occupation. Among the local Aleuts caught in this conflict was Foster Jones, the husband of Anna Jones, the schoolteacher on the island. A radio technician by trade, he had been operating the weather station before the invasion. Now, he found himself a prisoner on his own soil, uncertain of what the future held. Japanese control was firm, and a cloud of fear and uncertainty descended upon the island. The Atuans, cut off from the rest of the world, had to navigate their lives under strict regulations and constant surveillance. Every aspect of daily life from fishing to tending their small gardens, was now subject to Japanese oversight. A glimmer of resilience amidst this occupation came from an unexpected source, the schoolhouse. Etta Jones, the lone teacher of the one-room school, was allowed to continue teaching the children under Japanese watchful eyes. Etta held a beacon of hope, of normalcy, amidst the oppressive regime. She did her best to maintain a sense of routine for the children, even as their world crumbled around them. Meanwhile, off the shores of Attu, American naval forces stood in vigil, grappling with the chilling reality of the enemy on American soil. Their home front, their people, were living under the shadow of an invader. Admirals and generals huddled over maps and strategies, acutely aware that their next move held both great risk and urgent necessity the occupation of Attu was a time of endurance for its inhabitants. Their lives, once marked by the ebb and flow of the sea, were now dictated by foreign forces. But even under the harshest of circumstances, the spirit of the Atuans remained unbroken. Their story serves as a testament to human resilience and forms an integral part of the larger narrative leading to the Battle of Attu. The echoes of their struggle would resonate in the days of the battle to come. Reminding us of the human cost of war. Amid the halls of power in Washington, D.C., a tense atmosphere prevailed as American military leadership grappled with the reality of Japanese occupation in the Aleutians. With the specter of Pearl Harbor still looming large, these strategists faced a daunting task to dislodge a tenacious enemy from the remote, rugged islands of Attu and Kiska. Leading the charge was General Simon Bolivar Buckner Jr., a man known for his grit and strategic acumen. He bore the responsibility of coordinating the Pacific defenses, a duty that now included the recapture of Attu. Bauchner, acutely aware of the terrain and weather challenges in the Aleutians, began assembling a plan that required precision, strength, and an understanding of the enemy's fortifications. Meanwhile, far from the heated war rooms, a new kind of hero was being trained for the unique demands of this mission. The men of the 7th Infantry Division, under the leadership of Major General Charles H. Corlett, were rigorously preparing for the conditions they would encounter. From mock assaults on similar terrains to endurance training in freezing conditions, these men were being transformed into a force capable of reclaiming the Lost Islands. Admiral Thomas C. Kincaid, entrusted with the naval aspect of the operation, was keenly aware of the strategic challenges posed by the Aleutians. With their unpredictable weather and treacherous seas, these islands would test the skill and resilience of his sailors. However, with a determined spirit, Kincaid marshaled his fleet, preparing them for the battle to come. The planning of the act to recapture was as meticulous as it was exhaustive. From bolstering supply lines to simulating invasion strategies, every possible scenario was examined and re-examined. Even as they prepared, American war planners never lost sight of the people they were striving to liberate. The memory of the captured Attuans provided an emotional impetus, strengthening their resolve to return the islands to American hands. In these war rooms and training camps, the countdown to the Battle of Attu had begun. The American forces, guided by strategic minds and trained for the harshest conditions, were preparing to take back their soil from the enemy. The echoes of their determination and preparation would soon resonate across the Aleutian Islands, setting the stage for one of the most unique battles in the annals of World War II. Chapter 3 Operation Landcrab and the Battle of Attu Begins May 11, 1943 Was a day of destiny in the Aleutian Islands. American forces, trained and resolute, launched their assault on Attu. It was the Aleutian equivalent of D Day, a bold operation aimed at reclaiming the remote island from Japanese control. Commanding the amphibious attack was Major General Eugene Landrum. Known for his leadership under pressure, Landrum was a guiding force as the men of the 7th Infantry Division embarked on this daring mission. The unforgiving Aleutian weather, thick fog, and chilling wind were formidable adversaries, but the determination of these men did not waver. On the naval front, Admiral Kincaid's fleet unleashed a thunderous barrage on Japanese positions. Their formidable firepower, echoing across the desolate landscape, signaled the beginning of the offensive. Meanwhile, the infantry, undeterred by the stormy seas, made their way onto the beaches of Attu. What greeted them was a rugged, unforgiving landscape and an enemy determined to hold its ground. Facing the American troops was Colonel Yasuyo Yamasaki, the tenacious Japanese commander defending Attu. His men, well-entrenched and prepared for an American assault, fought back with all their might. The battle that ensued was a clash of wills in one of the harshest battlegrounds of the war. Meanwhile, behind enemy lines, the local Atuans caught in the crossfire could only hope for liberation. For Etta Jones and her students, the sounds of battle were both terrifying and hopeful. The noise of the artillery, the cries of the soldiers, were stark reminders of their reality, yet also symbols of a potential return to their peaceful existence. D-Day, Allusion style, was a display of human endurance and strategic brilliance in the face of tremendous odds. Despite the challenges posed by terrain and weather, the American forces persevered, slowly but surely making their way towards their objective. The echoes of this momentous day, filled with both the fury of battle and the hope of liberation, would resonate across the Pacific, marking a turning point in the battle for the Aleutian Islands. As the battle for Attu raged on, the island was enveloped in a dense, impenetrable fog, adding another layer of challenge to the already formidable fight. The combatants found themselves in a war not only against each other, but also against the harsh Aleutian elements. Colonel Yasuyo Yamasaki, leading the Japanese defense, used the fog to his advantage. His troops, having adapted to the terrain and conditions, staged ambushes and guerrilla attacks, disappearing into the misty landscape as quickly as they appeared. Yamasaki's strategy was as much about resisting the enemy as it was about draining them, both physically and mentally. On the American side, Major General Eugene Landrum faced the dual task of navigating his men through the fog and launching precise attacks on an elusive enemy. With limited visibility, traditional battle strategies gave way to small-unit tactics and close-quarter combat. American soldiers, face to face with the enemy in these encounters, experienced the raw brutality of war in its most intimate form. The Aleutian fog also shaped the experience of the Navy. Admiral Kincaid's fleet, providing critical fire support and supplying reinforcements, had to operate with reduced visibility. The challenges were manifold, from navigating treacherous waters to distinguishing friend from foe amidst the fog of war. In the midst of this chaotic struggle, Attu's inhabitants could only hope for an end to their nightmare. The sounds of gunfire and explosions pierced the dense fog, a constant reminder of the battle raging around them. Amidst the uncertainty, Etta Jones did her best to shield her students from the horrors outside their door, using songs and stories to drown out the sounds of war. The fight in the fog was a testament to human resilience and adaptability. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen, thrown into an environment as harsh as their enemy, fought with unwavering determination. The echoes of their struggle, amplified by the eerie fog, added a unique chapter to the story of the Battle of Attu. It was a reminder of how in war, victory often goes not just to the strongest, but to the most adaptable the battle for Attu escalated to a new level of intensity at the two pivotal locations of Massacre Bay and Holtz Bay. These strategic points, vital for complete control of the island, became the epicenter of some of the most ferocious fighting seen in the Aleutian campaign. At Holtz Bay, American forces under Major General Eugene Landrum encountered heavy resistance from Colonel Yasuyo Yamasaki's entrenched troops. The Japanese had fortified their positions, transforming the rugged landscape into a maze of hidden bunkers and sniper posts. For the Americans, every inch forward was earned with courage, determination, and, sadly, casualties. Meanwhile, Massacre Bay witnessed its own grim struggle. Here, the men of the 17th Infantry Regiment faced a daunting task. The Japanese forces had utilized the natural advantages of the terrain, setting up deadly crossfire zones and obstacles. The American forces were walking into a prepared trap. Despite the odds, they pushed on, fueled by their resolve to reclaim their soil. Leaders like Captain William Willoughby, known for his fearless leadership, stood out amidst the chaos. Despite the relentless Japanese defense and the unforgiving weather, he led his men forward, embodying the unyielding spirit of the American soldier. His actions would earn him the Distinguished Service Cross, but the cost was heavy, as seen in the mounting casualties of his unit. In these hellish conditions, there were moments of humanity too. Sergeant Leon Weckstein, an Army medic, risked his life venturing into the open, tending to the wounded, and saving countless lives. His actions under fire were a reminder that amid the fog of war, compassion and humanity could still shine through. The battle for Massacre Bay and Holtz Bay was an arduous contest of wills. Every foot gained was a victory, and every life lost was a tragic reminder of the cost of war. This fight within the Greater Battle of Attu was a testament to the endurance and tenacity of the men who fought and the echoes of their sacrifice resonated across the frozen landscapes of the Aleutian Islands. Chapter 4 – Turning the Tide The defining moment in the Battle of Attu took place at a nondescript elevation that would be forever remembered as Hill X. This geographic high point held strategic importance. Control of Hill X would mean domination over the surrounding terrain, providing a vantage point for either the defenders or the attackers. At the helm of the American assault was Colonel Edward Earle, a man of grit and determination. Under his leadership, the men of the 32nd Infantry Regiment faced the grueling task of taking Hill X from a tenacious enemy. The climb was not just against a steep incline, but against a hail of bullets, artillery fire, and the biting Aleutian wind. Colonel Yasuyo Yamasaki, understanding the importance of Hill X, had fortified it with well-entrenched positions. His men, camouflaged by the fog and the natural terrain, had clear lines of sight on the advancing Americans. For Yamasaki, Hill X was the final bastion, for Earl, it was the key to victory. The battle for Hill X was brutal. American soldiers, inching up the slippery slopes, faced not just the elements, but an enemy ready to fight to the last man. Leaders like Lieutenant Paul Lankford stood out in these desperate moments, rallying their men, pushing them forward in the face of withering fire. Their heroism amidst the chaos would earn them their place in the annals of military history. As bullets whizzed and artillery shells exploded, the American forces, undeterred, made their relentless push towards the summit. The echo of their courage and resolve would ripple across the battlefield, inspiring their comrades and creating a sense of dread among the enemy. Finally, after hours of grueling combat, Hill X was claimed. The American flag flew once again over Attu, a testament to the courage and resilience of those who fought. The battle for Hill-X was not just a tactical victory but also a symbol of the indomitable human spirit. Its echo, resounding across the Aleutian fog and carried by the winds of the Pacific, was a message of resolve in the face of adversity. The fall of Hill-X had dealt a major blow to the Japanese, but they still held positions in the northern sectors of Attu. This northern force, as it was known, became the final stronghold of Colonel Yasuyo Yamasaki's resistance. The Americans were determined to root them out, heralding the end phase of the Battle of Attu. Tasked with this mission was Major General Eugene Landrum's 7th Infantry Division. Landrum, a seasoned commander, knew the task ahead would not be easy. The northern force was entrenched and prepared to fight until the end. Still, Landrum and his men were resolute. Their objective was clear total victory on Attu. The Japanese forces, though low on supplies and outnumbered, did not lack in spirit. Even as the Americans advanced, they mounted fierce counterattacks. Guerrilla tactics, surprise assaults, and sniper attacks from hidden locations in the rugged terrain all served to slow the American advance. Yet, they also spoke of desperation, a last stand against an inevitable conclusion. In the face of relentless resistance, American soldiers like Sergeant Albert Brown stepped up. Brown, a tough infantryman, showed extraordinary bravery in leading his squad against well entrenched enemy positions. Despite facing heavy fire, he and his men managed to neutralize multiple enemy outposts, significantly weakening the Japanese line. Meanwhile, from the sea, Admiral Kincaid's fleet provided invaluable support the naval guns pounded the Japanese positions, shaking the very ground beneath them. The echoes of this bombardment, reverberating across the Aleutian landscape, were a clear message the end was near. Finally, after days of intense fighting, the northern force was defeated. The last of the Japanese defenders were either captured or fell on the battlefield, marking the end of the Battle of Attu. The victory, though hard won, was a testament to the determination and resolve of the American forces. The defeat of the northern force was the final echo of battle on the island, an echo that signaled the end of foreign occupation and the beginning of a new chapter for Attu and its people. Even as the Battle of Attu reached its final stages, a remnant of the defeated Japanese forces prepared to make one last stand. They gathered at Chichagov Harbor, a natural inlet on Attu Island. It was here that Colonel Yasuyo Yamasaki planned his final gambit, a desperate attempt to strike back at the Americans. Colonel Yamasaki, fully aware that defeat was imminent, chose to meet his fate head on. He rallied his remaining troops, including non combatant personnel, for a surprise nighttime raid against the Americans. Their objective was not victory but honor, a final demonstration of their unbroken spirit. On the American side, the forces at Chichagoff Harbour were unaware of the impending assault. For many of them, including Captain Arthur Wilson, this was a time for rest and recuperation after the relentless fight for the island. However, their respite was cut short by the sudden onslaught of the Japanese forces. The ensuing conflict, known as the B'nai Charge, was one of the fiercest during the Battle of Attu. The Americans, caught off guard initially, quickly rallied under the leadership of figures like Captain Wilson. Their response, in spite of the surprise attack and the darkness of the night, was a testament to their resilience and training. Under the command of Major General Landrum, reinforcements soon arrived, joining the fierce battle at the harbor. Landrum, understanding the symbolic importance of this fight, committed his forces fully to ending the Japanese resistance. The battle at Chichagof Harbor raged throughout the night, the sound of gunfire and cries of combatants echoing across the illusion darkness. When dawn broke, the Japanese assault had been repelled, their last stand quelled. The harbor, once a site of tranquility, bore the marks of a desperate and bloody struggle. The last stand at Chichagof Harbor marked the end of the Battle of Attu. The courage and determination displayed by both the American and Japanese forces were a testament to the human spirit, even in the direst of circumstances. This final echo of battle signified not just the end of a fight but the beginning of a long journey towards healing and reconstruction for the island and its people. Chapter 5 The Battle's Impact on the Pacific War The Battle of Attu had drawn to a close with American forces reclaiming their soil from Japanese occupation. Yet, victory came with a heavy cost, leaving a profound impact on all those involved. Major General Eugene Landrum, who had led the offensive, stood in the aftermath surveying the battlefield. Around him, the vestiges of war were painfully apparent, scarred landscapes, remnants of Japanese fortifications, and the silent testament of American courage and resolve. For Landrum, the victory was hard won, earned with the courage and sacrifice of his men. The casualties on the American side were staggering, with nearly a third of the deployed forces either wounded or killed. Among them was Sergeant Albert Brown, the infantryman who had shown extraordinary bravery during the defeat of the Northern Force. Brown had been severely injured in the last stages of the fight but had lived to see the victory he had helped secure. Across the battlefield, medics like Sergeant Leon Wexstein worked tirelessly, tending to the wounded. Their efforts, often under fire and in the harshest of conditions, had saved countless lives. Despite the victory, their work was far from over, with many soldiers requiring urgent care and support. While the American forces counted their losses, the scale of the Japanese defeat became apparent. Almost all the Japanese forces. Including Colonel Yasuyo Yamasaki, had been killed in action. The few survivors, exhausted and dispirited, were taken as prisoners of war. Even as victory was celebrated, there was a palpable sense of loss. Attu Island, once a serene fishing community, now bore the scars of battle. Its native population, who had been removed by the Japanese, faced the daunting task of rebuilding their homes and lives amidst the ruins. Victory at Attu was indeed at a cost, not only measured in lives lost and wounds sustained, but in the transformation of an idyllic island into a battleground. The echoes of war would linger long after the last shot was fired, a solemn reminder of the price paid for freedom and sovereignty. The victory at Attu, though significant in its own right, held far-reaching implications for the broader theater of World War II. The reclamation of the island signaled a turning point in the war against Japan, shifting the tide in favor of the Allies. From the perspective of American military leaders such as Admiral Chester Nimitz and General Douglas MacArthur, the recapture of Attu was a major strategic triumph. It served to nullify the Japanese threat to the western coast of America and provided a key stepping stone for launching attacks on the Japanese mainland. For Admiral Thomas Kincaid, Who had overseen the naval operations during the Battle of Attu, the victory helped establish American naval dominance in the North Pacific. The removal of Japanese forces from the Aleutian Islands ensured control of vital sea lanes, enabling safer passage for Allied vessels and disrupting Japanese supply lines. The Battle of Attu also played a role in the larger geopolitical context of the war. President Franklin D. Roosevelt, viewing the victory, noted its diplomatic significance. By repelling the Japanese occupation, America had demonstrated its commitment to defending its territories, strengthening its position among the Allied powers and bolstering morale on the home front. The strategic implications of the Battle of Attu extended to the Japanese leadership as well. The loss of Attu signaled a halt to Japan's territorial expansion in the Pacific. For leaders like Admiral Isoroku Yamamoto, it marked a significant setback, prompting a rethink of their military strategy. Ultimately, the echoes of victory at at resonated far beyond the rugged terrains of the Aleutian Islands. They influenced war rooms, reshaped strategies, and altered the course of World War II, serving as a critical juncture in the long and arduous journey towards peace. While the physical Battle of Attu took place on the remote island, a parallel war of words unfolded on the home fronts of both nations. Propaganda, as it often does in times of war, played a crucial role in shaping the perception of the Battle of Attu, each side tailoring the narrative to serve its own purposes. On the American side, figures such as Elmer Davis, director of the Office of War Information, understood the power of propaganda in bolstering the home front morale. The victory at Attu was depicted as a testament to American grit and determination. Photos of brave soldiers in combat, newsreels of naval operations, and radio broadcasts narrating heroic tales painted a picture of an unwavering America reclaiming its land. At the same time, the true cost of the battle was often downplayed. Reports minimized the harsh conditions faced by the soldiers and the high casualty rate. The narrative focused instead on the successful eradication of the Japanese threat, subtly fueling the American war machine and encouraging public support for the ongoing conflict. On the Japanese side, the narrative was spun differently. While they could not dispute the loss of Attu, they crafted a tale of heroic sacrifice. Leaders like General Hideki Tojo, the then Prime Minister of Japan, capitalized on the bonsai charge orchestrated by Colonel Yamasaki. They hailed the Japanese soldiers who had fought until the end, using their sacrifice to promote nationalistic fervor and underscore the Bushido spirit the way of the warrior. However, much like their American counterparts, Japanese propagandists avoided discussing the strategic implications of the loss. The defeat was portrayed not as a failure— But as an illustration of Japanese resolve and honor. The role of propaganda in shaping the perception of the Battle of Attu illustrates how war narratives are as much a part of the battle as the fighting itself. The echoes of these narratives continue to reverberate, influencing how history is remembered and understood. And while the Battle of Attu was a single chapter in the larger tome of World War II, the narratives woven around it served as powerful symbols of the respective nation's spirit and resolve. Chapter 6 The Legacy of the Battle of Attu As the dust of war began to settle, the once peaceful island of Attu faced a daunting task. Its landscapes bore the scars of the intense conflict, and its people, the Aleuts, who had been removed by the Japanese, confronted the challenge of rebuilding their homes amidst the ruins. At the heart of this rebuilding effort was Annie Golodoff, a native Atchuan who had been just a teenager when the Japanese occupied the island. Having spent the war years in internment in Japan, she returned to her homeland with a resolve to bring life back to the barren lands. Annie, along with the returning Aleuts, had to navigate a sea of challenges. The island's infrastructure, including homes, boats, and fishing equipment, had been severely damaged. The once vibrant local culture was disrupted, the threads of community life severed. But under Annie's leadership, the Atchewans showed remarkable resilience. Simultaneously, the U.S. government, led by Secretary of the Interior Harold Ikes, launched programs to aid in the restoration of the Aleutian Islands. Efforts were focused on rebuilding housing, restoring fishing fleets. And providing the resources necessary for the Atuans to regain self-sufficiency. Yet, the government's involvement wasn't purely altruistic. The strategic significance of Attu in the surrounding islands was still very much on their minds. In the midst of the physical reconstruction, a less tangible form of rebuilding took place. The Aleutian people, led by community leaders like Annie, strove to preserve their traditions and cultural heritage that the war had threatened to erase. Old stories were retold, traditional dances were revived, and the Aleutian spirit was rekindled. The process of rebuilding Attu was slow and fraught with challenges. Yet, the perseverance of its people, coupled with the aid they received, gradually transformed the island. From the ashes of the Battle of Attu, a community rose, a testament to the enduring spirit of the Aleutian people. The echoes of war slowly faded, replaced by the familiar sounds of a resilient island community reasserting its place in the world. While the Battle of Attu left an indelible mark on the Aleutian landscape and its people, efforts have been made over the years to preserve its history. The scars and remnants of the conflict serve as silent witnesses to the past, reminders of the sacrifices made and the costs of war. Among the notable figures at the forefront of this preservation effort is historian Bruce Petty, a devoted researcher of Pacific War history. For years, Petty has dedicated himself to the task of chronicling and conserving the battlefield, passionately advocating for the preservation of this crucial chapter of World War II history. Under Petty's guidance, remnants of the battle, like the Japanese gun emplacements at Holtz Bay and American foxholes around Massacre Bay, have been carefully preserved. The sites stand as solemn memorials, a tribute to the soldiers who fought and fell on Attu's rugged terrain. In addition, comprehensive efforts have been made to document the personal stories of those involved in the conflict. Veterans, such as Leon Weckstein have been encouraged to share their experiences, providing a personal dimension to the historical narrative. Their stories lend a voice to the silent landscape, immortalizing the courage, hardships, and resilience of those who fought. The U.S. government, recognizing the historical significance of the battlefield, declared Attu a National Historic Landmark in 1985. This move secured federal protection for the battlefield sites, ensuring their preservation for future generations. Preserving the battlefield of Attu is more than just an act of historical conservation. It's a testament to the memory of those who fought and died there. It serves as a vivid reminder of the human cost of war, providing a space for reflection and understanding. As new generations visit these sites, they bear witness to a history that echoes through the years, a history that shaped the course of the world. Through these preservation efforts, the Battle of Attu, though long past, continues to live on. The Battle of Attu Though often overshadowed by other large scale conflicts in World War II, imparts enduring lessons that remain relevant to our understanding of warfare, resilience, and the human spirit. One of the central figures imparting these lessons is Professor John Hiley Chloe, a respected military historian who spent years studying the Aleutian Campaign. His writings consistently underline the importance of logistical and environmental preparedness in military strategy the harsh weather and terrain of Attu, largely underestimated by the American forces, had turned into a formidable enemy itself. Thus, the battle teaches us about the necessity of considering all variables, even those outside traditional warfare, in planning military operations. Secondly, the story of Attu underscores the resilience of the human spirit in the face of adversity. The Aleutian people, symbolized by figures like Annie Golodov, embody the extraordinary strength and resilience that individuals and communities can show when faced with profound challenges. Their return and the rebuilding of Attu after the battle stand testament to the endurance and indomitable will of communities that refuse to be defined by their suffering. Finally, the Battle of Attu holds crucial lessons about the cost of war, both human and environmental. Historian Bruce Petty, through his work in Battlefield Preservation, highlights how the scars of battle long outlast the conflict itself. He reminds us of the importance of remembering and acknowledging these costs, ensuring that the sacrifices made are not forgotten. His preservation work underlines that battlefields are not just places of historical interest, but sacred grounds that demand respect and contemplation. In a broader context, These enduring lessons remind us of the complexities of war, the strengths and weaknesses of human nature, and the timeless importance of remembering our past. As time marches on, the Battle of Attu continues to offer valuable insights, serving as a timeless reminder of a chapter in human history that should never be forgotten.